Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. We only fixed drips and leaks, including those diverter leaks, and we got the water bills down to 2.4 million gallons a month. So we're saving over 3 million gallons a month. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and we've got a special segment today, Situation Saturday, where we're going to put our guests into a situation and talk through how they would handle it. So with us today, we've got a wonderful best ever guest who has plenty of experience in uh, what we're about to be talking about. She's got her own company and uh, she's been named, what were you named? Top 30 under 30 by Forbes? That's correct. Yes. And how'd you get that recognition? I was nominated and then Forbes did a interview process and came in and 
interested, uh, you know, background view of the company, what it is that we've done, and and through that process, decided to name me for 2015 as one of their 30 in the 30s. Wow! Really, really great recognition. Yeah. What what an honor! And Katie Anderson is I actually I didn't even mention your name. Katie, Katie Katie Anderson. She's the founder of Save Water Company, and she focuses on the apartment industry and water conservation within the apartment industry. She's performed water audits in over one hundred and fifty thousand apartment units nationwide, conserving just under one billion. Gallons. I'm used to saying dollars. <laughs> one, <laughs> one billion gallons of water and lots of dollars as well, and providing big savings across owners and, and residents' bottom line. So uh, you can check out our company, savewaterco.com, S A V E W A T E R C O.com. And here's the situation. And I always like to talk about the outcome of our conversation before we actually get into the the content of it. So the outcome of this conversation is to help all of the best ever listeners learn different ways to approach saving water on multifamily properties. And and so here here's the situation that we're going to pose to Katie. You've just taken over an apartment community, and you want to increase your NOI by decreasing the water usage or saving saving money on water in some form or fashion. How do you approach this? Great question. So what's interesting is the number one thing an owner should look for when taking on this challenge for themselves is the water rates of the utility district that their property is located in. And it ranges differently all across the nation. You'll have anywhere from fixed fees from the utility district, meaning that your consumption could be a million gallons or 500,000 gallons, and your water bill is going to be the exact same. It could be on a tiered structure, which means that if you consume 200,000 gallons, your water bill will be charged at $2.50 per thousand gallons of water use and would go up. So if you used more than 200,000 gallons, then you would be charged at $3.50, et cetera, et cetera. Or there's just a base rate of $5.50 per thousand gallons. The other factor to also take into account in the same aspect is the sewer rate. So California is a really great example because their water charges have a lot of fixed fees a little bit is variable, meaning that if your consumption goes up or down, does your actual water bill go up or down? And their sewer, nine times out of 10, is fixed. And why all this matters is because when you go in to look at a property for water conservation, the intent is to increase your NOI by lowering your water and sewer bill. However, your rates are the biggest indicator of that. So you don't want to get yourself into a situation where you set aside some capital for a conservation effort, and then because of the rate structure, after decreasing your water bills by 50% consumption, they don't come down. So the first thing I would say is go into your utility rate structure that your property is located in and really understand how the rate structure is and how that impacts your water bill. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So even though I want to like kind of ask a follow-up question because I want to make sure yeah, I understand, sure. even if the water has a fixed rate, 
if you decrease the amount of water usage on your property, wouldn't that still decrease your expenses because you're using less water? It does not. So the fixed fee in a Hearst, Texas is a great example. Small town in Texas, but I'm going to use it because we had one come through the property the other day. The city of Hearst assigns a property, an apartment property, a fixed dollar figure for both water and sewer per unit, no matter what the apartment property consumes in gallons. So what that says to an owner is you could vacate your entire property, you could consume zero gallons of water, however, the city of Hearst is still going to bill you $35 per unit for both water and sewer, no matter what. Wow. So in that scenario, you could consume no water, but still pay a water and sewer bill. Holy cow, I've never heard. I had no idea that existed. And my, I have family and friends who live in Hearst, Texas. <laughs> I, I know not to buy where they live. Wow. So you've got the fixed dollar amount per unit, no matter how much water is consumed in gallons. Then you've got the tiered structure. And then you said there's a base rate or is the base rate falling? It's a flat rate per consumption. So this utility district, Houston, Texas, is a great example There is no base fee other than the small meter base fee, which is very common in every utility district. But the city of Houston says for $4.50 per every thousand gallons of water used is what we're going to charge you for water. $5.50 per thousand gallons of water used is what we're going to charge you for sewer. So if you use zero gallons of water, you're going to get a water and sewer bill for just your meter fees. For a commercial property, that might be $200. And then on the flip side, if you use a million gallons, then the city is going to say, okay, well, we're charging for both water and sewer combined roughly $9.50 per thousand gallons. And then you will receive a water and sewer bill that reflects that. Where do you go to determine how the water rate and the sewer rate are charged? Do you, do you just go to contact a utility district person or, I mean, who is that? That's right. And you'll find that in that search process, sometimes in the smaller utility districts, it can be a little harder information to get. So I would first encourage you to look at your water and sewer bill, determine who it is that's billing you, go to that city website or that water authority website, and there should be a link on there that says water and sewer rates. And you should be able to look it up there. If it's not clear, which a lot of times it isn't, then I would encourage you to call the water department within that city and have them walk you through your water bill, letting you know exactly how it is that you're billed. So now that you've identified that information on how it's billed, what are you doing next? Okay, great question. So first, we want to look at water rates just to make sure that if we spend the capital on the property, that it's going to actually decrease our water and sewer bills and increase our NOI. The next step is, okay, now that we know that it's in a utility district that does that that type of environment is available, we want to take a look at your consumption. So in the auditing process within our company, what we like to do is take 12 months, your last 12 months of consumption history, and you're going to divide that out by your total number of occupied units. And the reason that you want to look at your occupied units, and you also want to look at the days and the reads. So a lot of times owners will call us and say, my water bill is super high. I think I have an underground leak. So I'll go and take a look at the water bill. And what I'll recognize is that it was a 33-day read period. And what that means is that the city of 
Houston, send you a water bill, and there's going to be two dates on it, and there's a read period. The, the city said between this date and this date is when we calculated how many gallons you used, and that's what we're going to bill you on. So, and it's variable each month. So one month you can get your water bill, and it might be 28 days. One month you can get your water bill, it might be 33 days. So obviously a 33-day read water bill is going to have more gallons because there's more days that you're using water. And that's going to make your water bill look high. So why that's important is if you take your total gallons and you divide it by your total number of occupied units and then the days in the read, and you follow that on your property, that's your best indicator as far as if your property's water is going up or down. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're basically looking at how many days were factored into the water bill and how much water was used. And, and then you look at it on a per day basis. That's right. Okay. Once we take those numbers and we drill them down, then we'll go look at the property physically. And physically, what I'm looking for is on the inside of the unit, without changing tenant behavior, how can I make this property consume less water? And the key to the last thing I said was without changing tenant behavior. So the idea of water conservation around the United States is that if you put in a dual flush toilet, a person is going to, on their own accord, press one if they go to the bathroom using number one, and they're going to press two if they go to the bathroom using number two. Number one, using less water, the toilet would use less water. Number two, the toilet would use a little bit more water. Studies have shown that it's very, very difficult to change tenant behavior. We've found that in the apartment world, it's especially difficult to change tenant behavior. So the idea we try to look for in water conservation for the apartment industry is what if we don't change behavior, we don't rely on the tenant to make a behavior change to impact our water bills. Instead, what can we do here that if the tenant keeps the same behavior, I know my water bills are going to go down. And there are several factors that you should look for inside your apartment unit. One obvious is the toilet. So if you go inside your unit and you see a really big toilet, they used to be five-gallon tanks even. Hopefully those aren't anywhere to be seen. The most common in the older apartment industry is, I mean, apartment buildings is going to be the 3.5-gallon tank and then the 1.6, most recently the 1.28-gallon per flush toilet. And now here recently, they've gone even to the 0.8 flush-assisted toilet. So the idea is if I use or have a 3.5-gallon per flush toilet and I input or install a 1.6-gallon toilet, or if I have a 1.6-gallon per flush toilet and I install a 1.28-gallon per flush toilet, that my per flush is going to use less water, right? That's the idea. So what's interesting is that we have data that shows just because you have a 1.6-gallon per flush toilet on your property does not mean that it's actually using 1.6 gallons per flush. Our data shows that on average, the 1.6 gallon per flush toilet is using anywhere from 2 to 2.5 gallons every time the toilet is flushed. And is that a big deal when it comes to dollars and cents? Yes, very much so. So what's interesting is that over time in the apartment industry, maintenance guys have come in and they've replaced the inside of the parts with not necessarily the correct parts for that toilet. Or they put in a low-quality toilet, and it's not working properly. So the reality is is you think you're only using 1.6 gallons per flush, but if your toilet's using 2.5, that's a solid gallon over what you think the toilet should be using. So imagine you have a property of 100 units. You've got 
just say I'm conservative. You've got one person in every unit, and that person flushes that toilet five times a day. So all of a sudden, you've got one person uses five gallons every day more than what they really have to just on the toilet alone. Okay. The other factor that you want to look at is shower heads and aerators. So the key with the shower head is that your residents likely pop out the restrictor, and that's because up until recently, we have been allowed to use shower heads that range in the seven gallons per minute flow rate. Now standards say that you cannot go above 2.5 gallons per minute on your shower head. That's a big difference. Well, if we're used to behaviorally taking a shower with seven gallons per minute, we're not going to be very happy when we can only have 2.5 gallons per minute. So what happens is a resident pops off the restrictor out of the shower head and turns it back into that six to seven gallons per minute. What nobody thinks about with the shower head is your maintenance guy is on a budget, one, and two, he has no direction. So when he needs to replace a shower head, he's going to open up a maintenance book. He's going to want to save you money. So he's going to go to cheap, likely dollar, $2 shower head, and he's going to put in a water-conserving one, again, in your best interest, but not knowing him buying a low-flow, cheap shower head is opening room for disaster because as soon as he puts it up there, the resident is going to take it off and pop the restrictor out. So I say all this to say I encourage people to look for shower heads where the restrictor can't be popped out. So if we replace shower heads on, on a property, our shower head, you have to break the shower head before the restrictor comes out. Okay, interesting. So aerators, most fixtures in older apartment properties have 2.2 gallons per minute. You can easily take those down to one, one and a half gallons per minute. So that's something to look at. And then my favorite that nobody ever thinks about is inside of your shower, typically you either have a three-handle manifold, and in a three-handle, you have your hot and your cold handle, and you have your middle one, which when you turn it on, turns on the shower, so it diverts the water. Or if you have a single handle or a two-handle, you'll have a, a diverter stop. So that's where you have the stop that comes out, and it's the button that you push up on it. If you walk into your unit and you turn on the shower and you look down at your spout, and water is still coming out of that spout, that is clean, fresh water, that is a leak, that is water going straight down the drain. It is the number one overlooked leak inside of apartment units. What do you do? Fix it. So <laughs> Get a wrench out. <laughs> get a wrench out. So we either replace the diverter spout, and again, I would encourage you to go with quality versus price on this one. You want something that's going to last you a little longer. So get a diverter spout up in that $10 range even though you can buy one at four. It's not an not a, uh, expensive fix by any means. And then if you have a three-handle spout, typically the stem is long, the washer is worn out. Your maintenance guy should understand how to make that fix. It's an easy one, but it's one that's simply overlooked because it doesn't make any noise. And unless your maintenance guy walks into his unit and purposely turns on the shower to look for it, he's not going to even know it exists. But if somebody, I'll give you an example as to how big this can be. We've measured diverter leaks to be a gallon and 40 seconds. So imagine a person taking a 10-minute shower every single day and there's a family of four. And that's a gallon and 40 seconds wasted. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of gallons. And how, how much is it? I know it depends on every market, as you've said, but just can you average out how much is usually a gallon costing an apartment owner? It's hard to say a gallon. Um, a thousand gallons is going to be, you know, roughly nine to $10. Which, when you think a gallon and 40 seconds, and then I just say a 1,000 gallons costs you 10 bucks, it's interesting how apartment communities work because you have to think of the overall property as a whole. We're talking 100 showers, and if you have two showers or, or uh, your unit breakdown is with two bathrooms, you've got those showers working every single day over a 30-day span. You know, your apartment, when you look at the consumption on your property, your properties are consuming 
500,000 to 3 million gallons a month. And those leaks are contributing to that. I'll, this is another great example I can give you. We worked on a 318-unit property who was consuming 5.6 million gallons a month. We only fixed drips and leaks, including those diverter leaks. I did rebuild the toilets, but I did not replace them. And we got the water bills down to 2.4 million gallons a month. So we're saving over 3 million gallons a month just based off of that. Help me with that math one more time. I want to write these numbers down. So it was at what gallon? And It was 5.6 million gallons. Yep. And we got it to 2.4. 2.4 million. And so that's 3.2. And then on average, you, you said... That was about $15,000 in monthly savings for him. Wow. Wow. 15000 in monthly savings times 12 months, $180,000. And let's say it's an eight-cap market. That's $2.25 million worth of value to the property. Pretty amazing. Without replacing toilets. Yeah. Well, you just fixed the leaks. Yeah. Wow. And I did rebuild the toilets. So what's interesting about toilets is anybody who comes in and says that they have a device they can put inside of your toilet that's going to make that toilet use less water. So if it's a 3.5-gallon tank, put this device in, you're going to use 1.6 gallons. The physics behind that is not true. So the reality behind toilets is the bowl that you sit on determines how much water is needed for the toilet to flush. So if you had a bowl that needs three gallons to flush and you put a one-gallon tank on the back of it, the bowl will siphon that tank until it gives it three gallons to properly flush. And the reverse is true. So if you put a 10-gallon tank on a bowl that only needs one gallon, the bowl will only pull one gallon from the 10 gallons to flush. Once it flushes, it won't pull any more water, so it'll leave nine gallons in the tank. Hmm. So the government back in the day when they outlawed five-gallon tanks, they came into the toilet distributors and makers and said, you have to decrease your tank size. The government not understanding that the bowl actually needs to be designed also so the toilet makers just shrunk the 5-gallon tank to 3.5 and the 1.6s and never did a lot of engineering design behind the new bowl. So you, you'll get these toilets that even though they're a 1.6-gallon tank, the bowl needs 2 gallons, so the toilet is going to use 2 gallons every time. So if you put a device in a tank that has a bowl that needs 3 gallons, you put a device in the tank that restricts the tank from giving the bowl the 3 gallons, the toilet will not flush. And that's what scenario you can get yourself into. Hmm. So what we try to do is go into these properties. Anything that we quote-unquote rebuild, I am only making that toilet function as efficiently as it can. And sometimes it's a 1.6-gallon tank, but because the bowl needs two gallons, I can only make it to use two gallons. But before I was there, it was likely using 2.5. So we were able to save an extra 0.5 gallons per flush on that particular toilet. So... When you've completed these three steps, first is you look at the water rate of utility based on the utility district and how it's how you're charged, uh, fixed fees, tiered structure. Then you you determine okay, it does make sense. I can save money for for lowering my water consumption. Then you look at the twelve months and you divide that out by total occupied units. Then the third thing you do is look at without changing tenant behavior, how much water can you save? Are those the three steps that you approach You approach it with and, and do you do anything after that? Yeah, sure. Um, the, you know, the, the obvious is a physical inspection of the property. 
So that's a that's a must see. And when you go inside your units, that's what you're looking for is what kind of toilets do I have? You know, is my diverter spout leaking inside of my shower? What kind of shower heads do I have and aerators? And the reality is is that if you can make efficient changes in those areas, your water bill is going to come down because you are decreasing the amount of water that resident uses without changing their behavior just on sheer technology alone. What would you say is the least expensive but biggest bang for your buck change any multifamily owner can make to save water? Least expensive, biggest bulk is going to be diverter leak fixes, showerheads, and aerators. What's the most expensive change that can yield some big results? Toilets. Anything else that we haven't talked about on on this that uh, you wanted to mention to the best ever listeners? Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's water conservation is a really great state. And I always encourage people to, um, you know, practice on a property of theirs because they'll be shocked. The, the biggest kicker is the water rates deal. That's the saddest part is when I see someone install or put in capital into their property and their water bills don't come down because they didn't understand the rate structure behind how they were being billed. Um, but if you do those two steps, you've got a pretty bright future on your property as far as getting your NOI up. And where can the best ever listeners find you and, and what's the best ever way to, to get a hold of you? Great. Go to our website, savewaterco.com. And what's really great is that we offer free audits. So in our free audit, we'll break down your numbers for you. We'll showcase exactly how your water rate structure works. And we'll also do a physical site visit to give you sort of an overview of what physical changes could be made and what kind of NOI boost that can give you. So happy to take a look. Obviously, if we do a free audit, we're hoping to be able to come fix the property after that. But at the end of the day, to do the free audit is good enough for us. So our website's the best thing. Katie, thank you so much for being on the show and walking us through this three-step process that, that we all should take whenever we're looking at properties. As I mentioned, I started to kind of summarize before, but I'll do it very quickly. First thing is to look at the the water rate and see how you're billed and what type of fee structure it is. Look at your water bill and contact that person if you don't know where to start. And then secondly, once you do that, assuming that if you do spend money on it, it will decrease the consumption and save you money, then you look at the 12 months and divide that by the total number of occupied units. And you also want to pay close attention to how many days were factored into the water bill because that's going to give you your, your costs on a per day basis because you might not, might not be doing an apples to apples comparison month over month exactly. unless you're looking at that. And then lastly, and this is from a very high level, I know there are many, many steps and details that we didn't have a chance to go over, but uh, the third step in the process is without changing tenant behavior, and you, you made a, a, point, you, a point to really emphasize that, how can you save water? And uh, shower heads, aerators, when you buy a shower head, make sure you can't pop out the restrictor in the shower head. Look at the toilets, the different gallons that are being used. Make sure that they're the right parts. Even if a 2.5 gallon or even a 1.6 gallon toilet might be using 2.5 gallons if it's not the right part or if it's not working properly. And then look at the the different opportunities to change the um, the diverters you, you mentioned inside the shower, the three-handle manifold. If it's leaking, then then fix the leak. And that could be a, ma- a major change to your water bill just by simply doing that. You said that's the number one overlooked leak in apartment units. And then you're, you're the case study that you mentioned where you went from 5.6 million gallons 
gallons, right? 5.6 million gallons Mm -hmm. on a monthly basis to 2.4 million. You essentially saved $15,000 a month, which, you know, quick math using an eight cap, that's $2.25 million in value that the property has. Those are dollars. Uh, Those aren't gallons. We're not talking gallons anymore. We're talking talking dollars and cents, (laughs) which is incredible. So thank you so much for being on the show. I'm personally in the process of getting an audit on one of my properties in Cincinnati with Katie and her team and looking forward to, um, you know, checking out to see what can be saved there. Highly encourage all the best ever listeners. If water consumption is your thing, you want to take a look at, you know, how much water your your property is is using now and how that can be saved and how ultimately you can save water and make more money. And this is one of those situations where it's a win-win for everybody involved. Then definitely go to savewaterco.com. Thanks so much for being on the show, Katie, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D dot com forward slash best ever.